Open your Bibles to John chapter 8, and let me alter my presentation of these nine verses a little bit, so that we can leave with the most important verse of the passage, which is the 12th. Let me read in the book of God distinctly and give you the sense of verses 13 through 20, and come back so that we can finish with the 12th verse which has the conviction for us. Verses 13 through 20 are primarily the Lord's wisdom in dealing with the Jews who thought that he was a lone man praising himself when in fact in chapter 5 he presented three witnesses that he had confirming him, John the Baptist, his miracles, and the scriptures. Here he will claim God as his witness and that the two of them make the two witnesses that Moses required for the validity of a statement. And let's get 12. I would greatly encourage you to memorize 12. And this week, let's think about following him. Our song leader just led us in singing the song, Lead On. Lead on, O King Eternal. If the King Eternal, the Lord Jesus Christ, is leading, what are you doing? You're fulfilling John 8, 12. Well done. I read to you these nine verses. John 8, 12 through 20. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself. Thy record is not true. Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came and whither I go. But ye cannot tell whence I come and whither I go. Ye judge after the flesh. I judge no man. And yet if I judge... My judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I and the Father that sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. Then said they unto him, Where is thy Father? Jesus answered, Ye neither know me nor my Father. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. These words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple. And no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. Amen and amen. Very briefly. Jesus makes a very powerful statement in chapter 12. I am he, st- he claims something for himself. He claims something for himself against the whole world. He claims something for himself that there was light and there was life in him. He claimed it in one sentence. The Pharisees immediately object to it. These are the rest of the Pharisees that were in the audience, not the conspirators of the scribes and the Pharisees that had gathered then left. They weren't there when the teaching started. They came in the midst of it. They threw the woman in front of Jesus. He dealt with that situation. They left. These are the other Pharisees that were there. They were always there. They were present whenever Jesus was present. 
They, had, they objected and said, Thou bearest record of thyself, thy record is not true. They had a law, and it makes sense that if you bore witness of yourself, just superficially considered, testimony of self was not valid. And Jesus already dealt with that in chapter 5, where he raised three witnesses to validate his testimony because he had John the Baptist, miracles, and the scriptures defending him as three other witnesses. So the Pharisees object, thou bearest record of thyself. You're making a claim in verse 12 that you can't prove and that no one else can confirm. And so it's not true. Jesus answered and said in verse 14, though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. There is no reason and there is no basis that you can deny what I've said about myself. And he's going to go on and prove that he does have two witnesses. For I know whence I came. My record is true because I was sent on a divine mission. I know where I am from and I know where I am going. You don't know where I am from and you don't know where I'm going. If you knew where I was from and where I was going, you would know that my record is indeed true, though I bear witness of myself. Because he was the Son of God. He was the Messiah of Israel, and that's what's intended here. This kind of terminology is going to get them again when they're going to accuse him of maybe moving away from Israel and living among the Gentiles in the Gospel of John. And he's referring about coming from heaven and returning to heaven. But they couldn't understand that. Watch. Verse 15, ye judge after the flesh. All you do is you look at me and you see that I'm a Galilean. You know my origin in Nazareth. I'm Jesus of Nazareth. You judge after the flesh. All you recognize about me is I'm six foot tall. I'm 33 years of age. And that's all that you're able to perceive about me. I judge no man in such a frivolous foolish, superficial, fleshly way. He does judge men. He judges men all the time. He's going to tell these men that they are of their father the devil in verse 44 in just 20 verses. Jesus judged frequently, but he didn't judge their way. You say, you're putting a sense on those words. I owe you. They read in the book in the law of God distinctly and gave the sense. When when Jesus said in verse 15, I judge no man, what in the world is he saying? He does judge men. He judges men often. But notice, he's already qualified the judging in the first half of verse 15. Ye judge after the flesh. You use your two eyeballs to superficially perceive or survey a situation and make a judgment in the flesh. I do not judge that way. He's already taught that in 724, do you remember? Judge righteous judgment. Judge not after the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. If you want to cross-reference, it would be 724. And if you want to know where he judges, try Matthew 23 on for size. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees! How can ye escape the damnation of hell? And on and on Jesus went. Jesus did judge. Jesus is going to judge them right here in this context. But he didn't judge after the flesh. He judged their hearts. He didn't care if they were Abraham's biological descendants. They didn't have the moral character of Abraham because they didn't have the new men, the new man that Abraham had. Verse 16, And yet if I judge, when I do judge, wait a minute, I thought he said in verse 15 that he didn't judge. 
But in verse 16, he says that he does judge. So you can understand that he's got that judgment there in a qualified sense. Yet if I judge, my judgment is true. I'm not just looking at the surface. I'm not looking at the outside. I'm not looking at the flesh. I'm making a moral, spiritual, scriptural, honest, accurate, divine judgment. For I am not alone. When I judge, I'm not judging by myself, but I am the Father that sent me. And he's already shown them, told them, taught them that the one that sent him was God. That was back in chapter 5 where they wanted to kill him for healing the paralytic man on the Sabbath day that was at the pool of Bethesda. Then when he said, I work hither and my father worketh hither, it said they, want, they had a second reason to kill him, that he had declared that he was equal to God because God was his father. Remember? Oh, you forgot? That was John chapter 5. So they knew this about him. So as he refers to his father here, he's referring to God in heaven. And his, my judgment, Jesus is saying in verse 16, is true because I'm not alone in my judgment. I am on a mission from heaven from Almighty God, who you claim is your father, but he is my father. Verse 17, I'm going to defend myself further. By my office and by the fact that I'm on a divine mission, when I say I am the light of the world, it is true. But since your law... Since your law requires two witnesses, I'll provide that as well. Verse 17, it is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. And by God's arrangement of us going back and looking at Exodus 23, Leviticus, Deuteronomy 22, 17, 13, 19, we saw that two or three witnesses were to establish important cases. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. So let me get a second testimony to the credibility and validity of what I said in verse 12. I am one, verse 18, that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. Did the Father ever bear witness of Jesus? Amen. Mm -hmm. How about the angel choir over the fields of, Get of Judea? Yep. How about a virgin birth? How about a 12-year-old boy confounding the doctors of the law? How about a voice from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased? How about the, perform, the power of miracles to raise the dead? And on and on we could go. I am one that bear witness of me that I am the light of the world. And there's another one that bears witness of me, and that is my father that sent me. Then said they unto him, where is thy father? They weren't referring to Joseph of Nazareth. They already knew that. He'd already clarified. They already understood that he claimed God was his father. If God's your father, show him to us. See how they judge after the flesh? If my two sacks of mucous membrane hanging in my skull can't see it, then I don't believe it. Right. That is so foolish. The Bible is so wise to tell us that the most important things can't be seen with these eyes. Right. We walk by faith, not by sight. These two little mucous membranes, what's going to happen if I put a blindfold on you? Are you going to believe anything? You can't see it. Did you ever see the Santa Maria, the pinto bean, and the nina that brought Christopher Columbus to America? Did you ever see them? Why do you believe them? I mean, these men are very, very weak. But this is, they want to fight the Lord Jesus Christ. He made, he made the wonderful statement in verse 12 about being the light of the world and that following him would save you from darkness. 
and give you the light of life, they immediately object that since he said that about himself and he was the only one that said it, that it wasn't true. He proved that that was wrong. It is true of my office from God because I'm on a divine mission, and it's true because I do have two witnesses, myself and God. Then they want to object. Where is your father? Is that judging after the flesh? That is terrible judgment after the flesh. His father was in heaven where he belongs to be, where they knew God was. But they're mocking him. They're taunting him in this 19th verse. Then said they unto him, Where is thy father? Jesus answered, Ye neither know me nor my father. He is not referring to his biological, ordinary, ancestral relationship with Joseph legally of Nazareth. He's referring to God as his father that he's taught all the way along. Ye neither know me nor my Father in heaven. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. If God had given these Jews the perception, the discernment, the understanding that Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah of God, they would have also known God because Jesus was the fullness of the Godhead in a body and Jesus was the Messiah of God. Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us. You would have known the whole thing if you would have recognized me. But because you have rejected me, though John the Baptist said, I am the one, though the miracles say, I am the one, though the scriptures say, I am the one, and though God has endorsed me, you've denied me, you've denied him. You can't see me, you can't see him, you don't know anything of spiritual value, and he's going to progress. You can't hear my words, you can't understand my speech. In this chapter, ye are of your father the devil. He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. John 8, 47. If ye had known me, do you want to know Almighty God? You'll never see God. No man has ever seen God. No man ever will see God. Do you want to see the express image of God? Then learn about the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. You can see him. You can see him in the pages of Scripture, and these men saw him. They saw his character. They saw his wisdom. They saw his holiness. That is all you'll be able to see of God. God is an invisible spirit, but he has manifested himself in a visible Son of God. No man hath seen God at any time, John 1.18, but the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Do you want to see God? Look at the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you want to know God better? Learn about the Lord Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. These words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple. No man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. This is the day after the feast ended. Jesus came to the temple early in the morning. He had an audience of people. He was teaching them. It was interrupted by verses 3 through 11 of the woman taken in adultery. Jesus kept right on preaching. And these are the words. There were Pharisees in the audience, as there always was. Not the Pharisees that conspired with the scribes against him. They had left by the conviction of their conscience. And so he takes up preaching again. And he was doing this in the particular room of the temple called the treasury. Verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Briefly. Very briefly, these are wonderful words. Learn these words. Memorize these words. Let's make this week that we will follow the Lord Jesus Christ, the light of the world, and save ourselves from darkness in all parts of our lives. 
These are some of the most precious and profound words in the Bible. Since we are Gentiles, having lived in gross darkness, as I read to you from Isaiah 60 to open our day of worship, we need him as the light more than even the Jews did because we were in gross darkness of Gentile ignorance. Without Jesus Christ, you have no light. You shall spend eternity in black darkness without the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world. He's the only light in the world. He is the only light that anyone in the world should be looking to. He is the only light there is. He is the light of the world. Light is a precious thing considered from a wide variety of angles and senses. As soon as you open the Bible, it begins with the creation of light in the third verse. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. We heard earlier today, before a man prayed about being afraid of the dark cellar in his parents' home growing up. And you have been afraid of the dark before as a child. Darkness is fearful. Light is precious and wonderful. We appreciate it. We appreciate it whether it's electric switch on the wall or it's the sun or it's the moon or it's the stars. We love light. You sleep during the day's dark parts because darkness is not a good time. We speak idiomatically of a light or a light bulb glowing or going off in our heads when we understand something. And today we've been encouraged to understand and be appreciative for the understanding we have. It's called light in the Bible. The world is a dark place and darkness is primarily wickedness and ignorance in the Bible. The scripture testifies that the whole world is in wickedness. The whole world is in darkness. Man is born like an ass's, a wild ass's colt. And he's buried like sheep. That's how the Bible describes us. The way we come in to this world is no different than a wild ass's colt. The way we go out, we're thrown in a grave just like a sheep's dead body is thrown in a grave. Man dirties himself after birth, whenever he's frightened, and when he departs life. He comes into this world dirtying himself, defecating on himself. He goes out of this world defecating on himself, and he defecates on himself or wets his britches when he's frayed. That's man. That man, that, a man like that needs light. A man like that needs life. And Jesus gives it. The best man has come up with in morality or wisdom is perverse profanity. They hate each other and want to kill each other. Thus our prayers for our nation's controversy with North Korea, even while they sing of self-love, which is the reason why they want to kill each other because they love themselves more than they love others. They are perversely cruel on abortion, divorce for any cause, ripping up families and destroying them, sex without love or commitment, like animals, unions, intimidation and threats to destroy companies and lose jobs, taxation, punishing savers and rewarding debtors, contrary to even a child's thinking, marriage, same sex, children, promoting transgendering of little children, diet, they don't know if salt's good for you, bad for you, fat's good for you, bad for you, meat's good for you or bad for you, they don't know, they confuse everything that God's given us. Women, they, uh, they defend pornography, bodies, they cremate them and burn them up like they're ashes and no, of no importance. And on and on we could go about the wisdom and light of the world, there is none, the world's in darkness and it's not getting brighter and it's not getting lighter. The consequences and results of this darkness are evident to thinking men. What is light? Here, when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, it is righteousness, truth, and wisdom of God against man. Light is righteousness in the Bible. John chapter 3, men will not come to the light because their deeds are 
evil and they don't want to be exposed by the light. So light is righteousness. Light is truth. Look at Psalm 1. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. That's the truth of God's word. Light is wisdom, the opposite of the dark folly of men. I like Psalm 119 and verse 130, and I need to look it up. 119 and 130, I'll read it to you. The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding to simple men. So light is righteousness, truth, and wisdom. Jesus is the light of the world. He alone is the light of the world. He alone represents a true, perfect, infinite righteousness, truth, and wisdom. He is the founder and leader of our religion, and you should worship him. There are many false leaders of false religions of various kinds and degrees. You think with me for just seconds of Muhammad, Mahatma Gandhi, Mother Teresa, Nero Caesar, Pope Frank, Joseph Stalin, Siddhartha Gautama, John Lennon, Stephen Hawking, Sitting Bull, Amenhotep III, Hirohito, Charles Darwin, Joseph Smith, and so forth. These are the leaders and founders of religions, and they are all in gross darkness. They have absolutely nothing to show for themselves of any moral virtue value or to provide any goodness or benefit to mankind ever and at any time. Never, because they're in gross darkness. Consider the ignorance, oppression, immorality, or hopelessness of all these men and the men that they influenced. Only Jesus knows the Creator, Jehovah God of the Bible, and His character and will for man. Only Jesus knows the origin of life and sin, the result of sin and the cure for sin. Only Jesus knows the damnation of souls and the way of salvation. Only Jesus knows how families should function in society, optimize liberty. Only Jesus did anything good in his life that left good for all men to enjoy. Only Jesus had a meaningful death that opened up the way to Jehovah God. I am the light of the world. I love his boldness. I love his self Vindicating testimony. He is the light of the world. He is our, the founder of our religion. He's the leader of our religion. He's our savior. He's our older brother. He is not ashamed to call us brethren. He is in heaven right now. He's coming back for us. He'll not lose a single one of us. He is our religion. It's wrapped up in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are Christ-centric in this church. Jesus fulfilled the prophecies of the great life light given especially in the book of Isaiah as he opened his ministry in the gospel, especially of Matthew. He was the light of the world. But it says, He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. Following Jesus is not hearing. Many heard him. It is not believing. Jesus said, Take heed therefore how ye hear. Luke 8 and verse 18. To whom much is given, much shall be required. Hearing brings greater condemnation. Hearing does not bring light from darkness. Hearing does not do it. Believing doesn't do it. If it, It's not believing because the devils believe. If that believing is without life-altering works and a changed life, it is no good and it brings greater condemnation. James chapter 2 says, can faith save him? No. Faith with works is the evidence of eternal life. Faith without works is what the devils have. It is not words that count. It's not what you say. It's not your profession. It's not your baptism. It's not your blog. It's not your emails. It's not your text. That doesn't count. He that followeth me. It doesn't say he that publisheth me. 
He that professeth me, he that heareth me, he that believeth me, it doesn't say any of those things. It says, he that followeth me. Brothers and sisters, he that followeth me, lead on, O King Eternal. Do you mean that in every part of your life? Because he has spoken and he has written how he wants you to conduct every single part of your life. You want him to lead on? You're going to follow right behind him? These three common pretensions of religion mean nothing to God and they offend God and bring his greater judgment. Hearing, believing, professing. Without a changed life. He that followeth me. I love this verse. Will you memorize it this week? I mean, it is just so hard. I even let you take off the first seven words. I sounded like a Bible corrupter in the email that I wrote you yesterday. I thought about it. I wonder how many of you would vote for my exclusion for coming up with a new version without those first seven words to distract you because I want you to start with the punchline. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. What a blessing. What a tremendous blessing. It's following Jesus Christ. Jesus called apostles to follow him. They dropped their nets and they followed him, didn't they? They changed their lives. A little man was in a sycamore tree and his name was Zacchaeus. He jumped out of that tree and said, Lord, I sell half my goods to feed the poor and whoever, any man that I've wronged, I'll restore it fourfold. Jesus said, salvation's come to this house. Or in other words, light has arrived in the dark life of Zacchaeus today. Today. And we want that to happen to us, my brothers and sisters. A true follower of Jesus turns his life upside down to match the life of Jesus like Zacchaeus did. What Zacchaeus did do, the rich young ruler would not do. Yet he said, Lord, what must I do to have eternal life? I would like to follow you. Jesus told him one thing out of his life. It had to do with this. See, Jesus is the light of the world in all parts. All parts of your life. He would not part with his money. The Bible tells us he went away sorrowful because he was a man of great riches. He could not do what Zacchaeus did right in front of him. The Thessalonians turned from idols to serve God and the Lord Jesus Christ. The Ephesians burned all their books of magic of great value, 50,000 pieces of silver in Acts 19. A true follower of Jesus Christ continues in his word. Verse 31 of this chapter of John 8. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples Indeed, a true follower of Jesus Christ is a disciple, someone that continues in his word and continues to obey him over time. The disciples were first called Christians in Acts 11, 26, in Antioch of Syria, Paul's home church. That's where the disciples of Jesus of Nazareth were first called Christians. You choose every day whether you will follow Jesus or a damnable alternative of darkness of this world. The worst alternative is your heart for it is deceitful and desperately wicked. Then there's the world, God's enemy, and the cause of his burning jealousy. Both are fed and provoked by the devil himself, the arch enemy of Jesus Christ. How do you follow Jesus? Make every choice to fully obey his plain doctrine. He is not hard to understand. He is not hard to know. But if you want to play with the world, he is hard to obey. Think about these examples of religious zealots 
Baal's prophets. Were they zealous for Baal? Catholic nuns. Kamikaze pilots. Mormon missionaries. Suicide bombers. Jehovah's Witnesses out rattling your subdivision doors every chance they get. Look at their zeal. What is your zeal? For the Lord Jesus Christ, you have the light of the world. Those people that I just mentioned have nothing. The Catholic nuns have their pope. The kamikaze pilots, a little sake, Japanese beer, folks, a little sake, a scarf. They got a scarf around their necks so that they could go hurl themselves into the Pacific and die. Suicide bombers, 72 palm trees with virgins under them in heaven. Not one of them's ever got to heaven. The Lord Jesus Christ puts himself and the saints of God far above your family. Matthew chapter 10. I came not to bring peace, but a sword, and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. If a man doesn't love me more than his own, then he's not worthy of me. You have an opportunity. I mentioned it before, and I'm going to mention it before I let you out of the back door about serving the people of God. We have an opportunity this week. The Lord Jesus Christ, when he said, I am the light of the world, he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, tells wives exactly how to submit and reverence their husbands. It's in the word of God. It is not my opinion. I haven't altered a thing in the word of God about this subject. The proverb commentary that is hanging out there right now is something that you ought to read, listen to, and pay attention to. It's Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 4. A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but an odious woman is rottenness in his bones. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me. A woman that is truly a Christian does a whole lot more than warm foam rubber, get baptized, saying, oh, how I love Jesus, and listen to the preaching. She has a changed life. She humbles herself and she submits to her husband. She exalts him as the Lord of her life. She makes his desires her desires. That is what Jesus taught in the word of God. It's that simple. That is just one part of life, but it's a hard part. And it's one that the Lord has arranged. All of those proverb commentaries are by random selection for me and God's divine selection from heaven. He tells wives exactly how to submit and reverence their husbands. Your lips are not your own. That was in my outline, and you stole it, David Jones. I'm still serious, though. David Jones with Psalm 12, 4. With our lips we shall prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? No. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me, following him this way. And we had read to us from James chapter 3, an extensive section of scripture describing the evil that hangs in our mouths. Remember that slimy thing that he referred to? Your lips are not your own. Your tongue is not your own. You owe every word to his glory and others' prophets. I want you walking in the light of life and enjoying the abundant life that Jesus intended for you. And the way to get it is following him, the light of the world. We have the greatest founder and leader of our religion. There is no other religion to compare. There is no other leader to compare. He's written it all down in a manual for us. His religion has turned the world upside down, and we thank God that we're part of it. In a day of compromise, your time is his. He gives you days, and he demands and deserves a return on that time. What are you doing with your time? You have 168 hours between now and when we will be in this particular setting again. 
What will you do with that 168 hours? You could work four jobs. If you took enough no-dos, you could work four jobs. Four times 40 is 160, and you've got 168. Okay, I'm exaggerating a little bit. I just want to make a point. His time is yours. Do you follow the Lord Jesus Christ? Is he Lord of these things in your life? Your work ethic. Is your work ethic the work ethic of the Lord Jesus Christ? While it is day, I need to be working. Are there not 12 hours in a day? And I, Jesus was a diligent man. Food and drink. Do you guard your use of food and drink the way that Jesus taught in the Bible? How about the length of your hair? Long hair on women, short hair on men. It's in the word of God. He is the light of the world. Obeying a boss. Do you obey your bosses the way that Jesus taught? Civil rulers. Give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Sex. Does Jesus, is Jesus Lord of sex in your life? Clothing. Music. Books. Television. Internet. Money. Friends, debts, moods, anger, contentment, prayer, how you treat your enemies, giving, and everything else in your life. Are you following him? Right. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Do you comprehend this world's darkness? This world is dark. I like Isaiah 60. Gross darkness shall cover the people. Do you comprehend your own darkness? When you look inside you, into your old man, your instinctive, natural, inherited thoughts, ambitions, and desires, is everything dark and wild like we sing in one of our songs? Jesus never had that. He is the light of the world. He is true light. Righteousness, truth, and wisdom. Are you following him? We came today for this question. Are you following him? There is no other reason for us to be here today. Are you following him? How so? Hearing, believing, Saying, how so? Attendance, you have Bibles in your house, you have a Bible app on your smartphone. How are you following him? Like a real disciple in all areas of life? Are you following him with a fraction of the zeal that devil worshipers show? The Father loveth the Son, and we owe him all our love, and all our lives. There is more light that your life can have if you will rise up and wake up to Christ. Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. Here and there. How? By following him. What do you mean? By obeying the Lord of glory in every part of your life. Every attitude, every word, everything you look at, every friend, everything that I listed. 
It is the best way to do anything in the list that I gave you. It is the only way to do it. It pleases God. It pleases Him. It brings light into your life. It dispels the darkness of all those around us. It is win, 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 win. When you think that you can protect your life by shorting Jesus, the light of the world, you bring darkness into your marriage, into your thoughts, into every part of your life where you do not follow him. The whole world is learning right now by their science, which we could have told them a long time ago, that pornography destroys male sexual performance. Isn't that incredibly dark? It's perfect. You bring darkness into your marriage. You bring darkness into your children, into your family, into your finances. You bring darkness when you do not follow the Lord Jesus Christ. He has laid out in the Bible and he has convicted us over many years to put together what he's taught in the Bible for every part of our lives. Let's memorize the verse. Let's obey the verse. And let's obey it with zeal.